week we are uh switch blade runners um how how have you been i'm good um cut my hair off started my hair over so uh currently have a one all around my head uh it's been warm it's been pretty warm lately global warming is like really in full effect it's been like a really nice 60 out 60 degrees and sunny in fucking Baltimore, so like, uh, not really the norm for February. Uh, really nice, pleasant days, but also extremely concerning for the future of the world. But nah, I'm great. I'm great. Definitely hasn't been cold cold enough to uh, make me regret my decision to cut my hair. That's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. I was telling you before we started, I had some a tumultuous tumultuous weekend, but really, it was not. Uh... Not really all that bad, all things considered. Um, I uh, was on Sam's podcast that just came out, recorded like a week ago or more uh, before it actually came out. That was a lot of fun. Uh, reviewed the, I mean, it's obviously on the network, on this same network, and it's the episode right before this. We talked about pwg's uh ddt4 from 2015 which was the one that uh trevor lee and andrew everett won it was a big deal for me i liked it a lot Rewatching it not quite the same really stands out just how different pwg was back then and even at that time period was like the beginning of of it changing um but uh but yeah i mean in hindsight it's like stuff that just doesn't um how do I say it doesn't like uh doesn't work, you know, in in when you look at it um in the rear view mirror as much. There's like a lot of stuff there, sticky stuff, comedy stuff. Um even like uh even like the world's cutest tag team. I mean, I was never like the hugest fan. I enjoyed it, but like even looking back on that now, I'm I kind of even said it on the podcast, like 
just really felt like a lot of uh people were overhyped just because of re- really liking Candace, but what it mm-hmm. actually was was kind of a one note act, you know. No, it's no extremely well, like I think that's that's a testament to just how good Candace was that she was able to take such a piece of shit like him and uh make him t- make make people look over that he like sucked. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It was that and it was like, you know, there was like a, a story between him and her like feuding, fighting mm-hmm. and whatever off and on. But like, really, she also had equally like a a, a relationship like that with uh, pretty Peter Avalon. You know what I mean? And like plenty of wrestlers where there was like guys that kind of picked on Candace a lot that it could have uh, could have been. But uh, but it was Joey because, you know, he was one of the owners and he was going to stick around forever. So do something with him like that, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, like uh, even Monster Mafia, like I liked them a lot before that. But in PWG, they were doing like kind of a similar one note heel shtick um, that was not really the peak of when I really enjoyed them as wrestling. And looking back on it, it's like, God, I was like, I was really hyped up for them at that time even in PWG, but they were not bringing their best, I'll say. Um, I was kind of thinking about that recently, how jo- if Josh Alexander got away from Impact and, and came back to, to AEW right now, it would be a perfect time for them to rerun kind of the North or Monster Mafia because the tag team division in AEW is kind of weak, um, that they would be primed to have a good run there. Um, and they would have been a good team to go up against the acclaimed instead of having them drop the titles to the ass boys um, or the gun club. But uh, you know, it, it, life is what it is. Right. Um, Is there any new stuff, things like that you want to talk about? Did you happen to check out the main event from elimination chamber? No, I didn't get, no, I didn't get to yet. Um, Definitely. I definitely plan on doing it. And um, I was, I didn't get a chance to yet. I didn't get a chance to watch anything from the, Noah Mudo show, which me realistically, I probably only would have watched um, the Okada and Kiyomiya match, but I haven't, I haven't got to see. I haven't got to see any of that stuff yet. So no, um, yeah, like I, I really don't. Even, I saw people complaining about the finish to Roman and Sammy, and I don't. I just I don't know anything about the match, so I can't really comment on that. So maybe if we like record at the end at the end, at the end of the week or. Yeah. Something like well, like, like we can like maybe we can like double back with some Roman Sammy thoughts or something. But sure. yeah, I didn't I didn't I didn't get a chance to watch that. I all I saw was uh was what Battle of the Valley. I guess that's what uh-huh. the, the, yeah. I saw Battle of the Valley. That's that's about it. And uh, it just it feels weird. No, I guess we'll get to it. That like Jay Jay White's gone and just yeah. I guess that could be a big. That'll be. I guess. I mean, it's really going to be like the bulk of the discussion on the podcast today. But as much as I love Jay, I really. I mean, unless he's going to AEW, like I, I don't see a world in which he just like thrives in WWE. Um, we. Well, I guess we can like we we will get there when we get there. But it's just yeah. like I feel it, it feels like a really weird career move. Yeah, that's I mean, that's kind of the biggest news thing to talk about. And it's weird because it plays into like the main thing we were going to review. So I mean, I mean, kind of, I, mean yeah. I guess we can like. I mean, we can talk about the match itself when we get when we get there. So I feel like we can, we can yeah. like do the do the north, do the like news bit portion of it now. But like. 
I think for me, with Jay White's leaving, um, is oh, that how? Wait, hold on. Before we get into it, did you? I mentioned watching the stuff from the SOS show. Did you didn't get a chance to watch any of that? I forget what was on it. I, no, I the main I wa- thing was just Makabe and Migs. I did. I did watch the Makabe match. I okay. did watch. I did watch that. Uh, I did want to reference and compare that to what I was talking about with like kind of the one note thing. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. F- feel free to no, 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 no. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Then we can get the the JY yeah. stuff. Let's just talk about that, and then um, maybe there's one other thing I want to mention. Leo Rush. There was a Leo Rush. I I mentioned it on the podcast I did with the JML. There was Leo Rush versus um, Alec Price from the Beyond Show. That was really good. He also did a match with both members of the Miracle Generation, including the second most recent one with Kylan King. I don't know if you you remember Miracle Generation guys. They're actually mm-hmm. they're going to do a rematch with them and and uh, Violence is Forever on the next uh, big Beyond show that looks really interesting. I'd say definitely go out of your way to check out the kind of the Leo Rush matches right now and beyond, um, and especially the one with Kylan King. Fantastic stuff. It actually got it's funny because I I mentioned it to Jay the JML to jml about the leo versus alec price match and leo working as a grumpy veteran and how impressive and interesting it was and then i saw that uh phil snyder reviewed the kylan king match on the uh on the ringer and i read his review and it was like saying the same thoughts so i'm just like okay if you want to know phil snyder's thoughts a couple weeks early just listen to the podcast right um but yeah, like Leo Rush playing kind of a grumpy veteran, but still having all the explosiveness and all of everything else that he has is really, really fucking interesting. Miracle Generation guys, both of them are great in singles as a tag team. I don't know that I've ever loved them, but I'm I'm excited to see them continue to put it together. And the violence is forever. It's I mean, so it's kind of a rematch from the final, but the final uh, one of the members was injured. So it was actually a Kylan King handicap match. So now they're getting the actual tag team match with the titles on the line against Valences Forever. So pretty interesting. Definitely recommend checking that stuff out. Um, Makabe and Migs. I mean, I tweeted this out, but at this point, this might be a top five match of the year for me. Like, I just I absolutely think that these guys are great together. And I think that Migs, like when I talked about like being just a one note heel that the shit like years later doesn't stick like Migs is so fucking good as a heel. I'm just so great at like the, the MIGS thing that like this is the kind of stuff that that I think can stand the test of time. Like you can watch these matches out of time and continue to appreciate it. I think if you know you don't necessarily get who he is, you might say like, oh, he's not this great wrestler. But the great thing about him is he doesn't really do anything that looks bad because he doesn't do anything that he can't do. And his character work is so fucking great that like I think it's pretty easy to just pop in and, and really appreciate how good he is. Seeing babyface Makabe, like, yeah, like, you know. He doesn't love working that way, but he's very good at it when he's got a great dance partner like this. Like, I just absolutely adored this match. I mean, great storytelling. There's still a lot of really good wrestling from Dan, but you've got just this this I again, I, I you know, I like a, a technical like masterpiece of work between two wrestlers who can really go something like Dan versus Artie. Right. But at the same time, sometimes like the, the clash of styles is the whole styles make fights thing. It's like. Dan really gets to show off how great he is technically because the other guy's not taking any of that shine here um, and just being a piece of shit and doing little stuff like putting on the brass knuckles with his middle finger first, flipping off the crowd. Like that's the kind of stupid little asshole thing that I just think like is so great. Um, Bullshit finish. You get the, the, the post-match 
angle and and title change and uh yeah i just i absolutely adored this and just think like it's incredible like <laughs> steve miggs for what he is and and you know his whole thing he's I, I just think he's a fucking great wrestler man i just absolutely love watching this heel run that he's been doing and uh just how good he is at what he does but uh yeah what were your thoughts not nearly as passionate about it as you are it was just nice to see dan again after not seeing dan uh Dan, Dan for a while and I've always enjoyed Megs. Uh always like look start like serviceable and not like never like really like offen- offensive or anything, being like being like one of the main guys in uh SOS or the top or the top guy in a promotion. And every time I've seen him and Dan together, it's always it's always been really solid. It's probably my favorite match I've seen between the two of them. I'm not near uh top five match of the year or whatever territory with them like you are, but no, it, it like it really was just nice to see Dan again, especially like Dan as a baby face. Like it's like you told you touched on it there that Dan found his uh found his sweet spot as a heel. Uh and I it, like, you know, and that and that's all true when I love Dan's heel work, but some people said like the guy can be a really good baby face too. So that was a, a welcome sight to see. And I thought the I thought the match was very good. Yeah. Like I said, I recommend it. Um I highly recommend it. Obviously, you know, if you're just a fan of Dan, it's also good a good checkout match. Um, I wanted to check out this uh, Matt Tremont Devils. No, no, no. Uh, Angels of Death tournament. And I did. I did watch it, um, but it wasn't as good as I was hoping for. Um, I will say Sawyer Rex continues to be someone who you should definitely take your time, take your chances to check her out. She uh, really stands out in this tournament as well. And um, there was a Becca versus Matt Tremont fans bring the weapons match on this show. That was actually impressive. Like Becca was pretty good here. Obviously Tremont is Tremont and it's kind of, it's weird to even say it's kind of hard to have a bad match with Tremont, but honestly it kind of is. He just, he's another guy who really gets what he's, hit what he's doing and does it well yeah. um but but yeah i was kind of impressed there because i've never uh, you know not to say i hate on becca but i never really thought she was great but this was this was definitely a solid you know worth a checkout kind of match um okay i mean so let's talk about jay this is like the big news this is the weird thing what the fuck is going on in new japan okay before we even talk about jay what's going on with new japan here's the here's the dirt here's the goss that i recently got you know uh, on the wire uh Shibata, no longer in charge of the dojo. Kushida is running the show. Obviously, uh, Tamatanga WWE offer as well as, you know, Hikaleo, whatever. Um, Most of the talent taking pay cuts. Japanese talent taking pay cuts. Will Ospreay not going to be appearing in Japan as much. And Jay White's gone. Jay White is going to WWE. That's the that's the the rumor mill. That's the stuff that's out there. Um, what the fuck is going on? Like they're teasing that they're doing more and more expansion into into the West, but this does not sound like a strong company that should be you know moving to expansion with a lot of the stuff that it sounds like is going on here. Yeah, this whatever their plans are right now, it does not make a lot. It doesn't doesn't make doesn't make a lot of doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I guess to talk about like overall the direction of the company, like I feel like going from Shibata to Kushida 
just in terms of like a guy who's training up and coming talent, like that's about as good of a swap as you can get, probably. Yeah, so, I honestly think yeah, I think that's actually a positive. Yeah, if I'm being perfectly a, honest. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that I think that could wind up being like a, a, a positive. Like, I think Kush- I think Kushida will be will be doing a really really good job, uh, along with Kushida's like whoever is like, more... staff. Like, I think Kushida will do a really good job with that. I just think Kushida more well rounded wrestler than Shibata. If we're being perfectly honest, Shibata is oh, very course. good at one thing, whereas Kushida is great at a lot of stuff. Um, I think that Shibata is very overbearing as a trainer. And unfortunately, like, I hate to say this, but Shibata being such an overbearing trainer kind of ruined some of the people who become like connected with his students. When you look at like, you know, Ren Arena's thing that he's got going on is pretty good, right? Doing the Shibata tribute. But look at Dragon Lee. How many times did we say, God, we're fucking sick of Dragon Lee doing the Shibata tribute stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And just felt like it completely derailed this guy that was entertaining and interesting because he just kept trying to wrestle like he's mini Shibata and it was just fucking tiring. So, like, you're not going to get a ton of wrestlers who are doing, like, Kushida tribute spots, you know? People, a lot more of the, the students are going to just get a good base for their training from a really solid wrestler who's good at a ton of different stuff and end up with, like, just kind of figuring out their own thing. Um, so I, I honestly think that that's a that's a positive. But yeah, to continue I, on down no, the list. No, yeah, I, 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 completely, I completely agree with that. So I feel like that really like, other than like the name value of Shibata and like the whole story and everything behind that, I feel like that I feel like that's not really going to be like that big of a that that big that big of a change and could want to be in that positive going forward. Um, the pay cuts, I'm not sure if like japan's like economy is uh is facing any, any type of hardship that's something that i'm like i'm gonna have to like look into to see if there'd be any possible reason for that like before we like start jumping into like the new japan is dying territory uh which is like people like which people would be prone to like going into but between having will who you just turned babyface basically after having this two-year heel run, and now this is, you know, maybe the year would where Will would win G1. Um, and he's saying he's not going to be doing his, ma- doing his major Japan dates. You lose Jay, the guy that you spent the last four plus years uh, building and giving all the, and giving, and giving all this credibility to as a, as a, as a top, as a top of the line guy. And he's gone, like, after, like, you know, in the same lineage as what happened to Devin and Styles and Omega and White. And that happens again after you put all this effort into the guy. Yeah. And, like, this is a weird company right now. It's a weird company where Okada's, like, 34, 35, or, you know, getting, like, you know, getting, getting somewhere around that range. We know how old we know how old Tanahashi is, even if he has his moments left. We like people forget how old Naito is. Abushi left. And even like the guys that are kind of on the horizon, like Shota Amino, I I like I like him and I want him to be great, but like the reviews aren't the reviews aren't that high yet. The review like the like the return yeah. of what we've gotten yet is not is not great. And Shingo and Shingo, we don't know how much time Shingo has left as a uh, 
as a as I a mean, guy of his quality, like I agree I with you in in you know just in logic, but when you watch his performances it, up to this day, it does it feels like he could he's got forever. Like he could just no, continue no, no, going no, on no, forever. No, but, of yeah. course, of course, but it's like Shingo and Nitro are like the same age. You know, or like I think what well, my right. yeah, yeah, pretty sure yeah, Shingo and Nitro are like the same age. Like this and I feel like we talked about this a few years ago, but like this is a problem. And the guys that you had that like kind of remedied remedied that problem a little bit were foreigners in Will and Jay. And now Jay is gone. And let's be honest, there's a very, very, very real possibility that by next year Will Ospreay's in AEW. Or whenever his contract is up, that Will yeah. Ospreay's in AEW. Like that's just a very real possibility. And yeah, I mean, you look at it and with with Osprey toned down, Jay White leaving, and then obviously, you know, on the show that we've got, you've got the the post match with that, you know, you've got Kenny is like tangentially, you know, he's AEW, but you can get him for some dates here, but not that great. Moxley, you can get him for some dates here and there, but he's not like a full time on your own. Like uh, how many, how many, how many matches is Mercedes is Mercedes is, is Mercedes is Mercedes gonna be wrestling? <laughs> Right. I mean, that my point was just going to say that what we've got right now in New Japan is we've got a crazy ass white boy problem. Their top crazy ass white boy is David Finley in ELP. And, you know, I mean, that's not looking so good. Yeah, this is. And, and I feel like, and I feel like, again, you know, we saw this kind of situation coming a few years ago when we right. noticed like, but I think we are finally seeing how badly you know, and, and it's not just the pandemic, so I don't want to entirely blame that. I do feel like there was just some bad decision making, uh, too, to go along with this. But I think now we are finally seeing how badly the pandemic fucked up New Japan. Like, yeah, I think that I think they were finally starting to see like how much they got set back with this, like how much not ha- not being able to have their guys in japan uh uh sooner 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 than when they got them back affected them like how much how much these things affected like the morale and mood of the talent like how much like you can't you can't downplay how much like covid and being there and being there in japan dealing with the restrictions dealing with everything that was going on there like kind of like pot like messed with jay white and osprey and the other and the other and the other foreign talent like that was a that was a big that was a big talking point for a while about how much about how people weren't happy with that stuff. So I think ultimately my takeaway is how much the pandemic really truly hurt New Japan. And regardless of how you feel about Osprey, he is the last like he is just kind of like the last like next star for them. Like he is like everyone else. Yeah. Every, everyone else is gone. Like Shingo already had his moment. Abushi's gone. Naito, like Naito, we don't know how much longer Naito has left or Tanahashi has left. Like Okada's still really good, but how many times are gonna are we gonna be like keep running the same Okada matches? Like, like we've gotten to the point where there is a real problem now, and. I just hope they figure it out sooner than later and hope that Shota Yamino takes. And I hope that they like, 
are able to develop to d- develop their uh their uh homegrown talent like more as time goes on. But I think it's and this isn't like they'll do the whole doom and gloom thing. Apparently, like there's still enough name value for like people like FTR and Mercedes and Mox and Kenny or whatever to want to do New Japan dates. But I think that we're starting to get to the territory of like, okay, like this is a little concerning. Like this is more than enough reason to be concerned because you spent five years building up Jay White, putting all your resources behind Jay White, took your domain events behind Jay White, and now he's gone. Like, this, like, at some point, and, and like, in New Japan, always bounce back, right? They lost, they lost, they lost Devitt, they got AJ. They lost AJ, they got Omega. They lost, they lost Omega, they had Jay White waiting. Like, they've always been able to bounce back with replenishing the talent pool, and for once, it looks like that talent pool might be empty, unless there's, like, a big-name jump or something that they can get. Like if they're able to get someone from AEW to go full time in New Japan, or they're able to like like figure out some type of deal, that looks like that that it looks like that pool is finally dried up. And I mean, I, I, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Like I, I don't know. I don't know who you like get and push and like try to and like try to like make like your next top commodity. If you're just gonna keep relying on like maybe you can bring in Chris Jericho, maybe you can bring in Moxley, maybe you can bring in uh, bring in whoever in like. That'll like that'll sell some that'll sell some tickets, but I'm definitely getting concerned about like the things are gonna get get like things have already been stale, but now I really don't know what they're gonna do. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, and part of it is like strong, obviously. Like strong should have been their kind of breeding ground for c- coming up with these people to to get them find these people and and bring them in. Right. But they, they really were not booking like they, it really did not seem like they were looking for people. You could say like someone like Dickinson and what happened to him, like kind of derailed someone that they were working on um, and possibly could have been a guy that would have made sense for them as a star, you know, a, a foreign star, but like, you've got the team filthy guys, but it does feel like they've they've done a good job with Tom, but I'm hearing people who are basically saying like West Coast Wrecking Crew, obviously, you know, on this show, this match, like it it made absolutely no sense for them not to win the titles here. And it kind of didn't. And it like it does seem like, OK, are you guys ever going with these guys? And because they seem like the perfect Gaijin tag team for them. And maybe that's why they don't want to put the strong titles on them because they want to wait and use them for the actual IWGP tag team titles, because like even just a couple of years ago, just the West Coast Wrecking Crew not feel like a team that could have just been brought in and given the titles like instantly, like they did with all the foreign tag teams, like two big muscle Americans and they win the titles instantly and they just, you know, run rough shot over the, the 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 local stars as big heels. Like it's perfect. I guess the only issue with that now is like West Coast Wrecking Crew really feels like they're they're catch, hitting their stride right now as a babyface team. Um so it is kind of like it doesn't fit that mold, but whatever. Then like, who else? Who else do they have that they've really made? It's like the team filthy guys. Not not really. A lot of them are like 
potential to be top stars. Filthy feels like he does, but he also feels like that they're not going to do it. And he's not a spring chicken. So you're not really building up a guy that you're going to like put a ton behind um, as a top guy. And then otherwise, what, like, what, what, what have they been doing? What has this whole thing been? And now it's like coming to an end. Okay. So maybe it's smart. You're cutting bait because you're realizing that you're not really getting much out of this. Um, but DDT has grabbed like, you know, you've got Brooks, you've got uh, Drew Parker, you've got like these Amer- like foreign stars that should have been brought in. You've got like Timothy Thatcher. Um, oh, God, why, why can't I think of his name? Uh, Ridgeway. Um, even like Anthony Green, like the Noah. Noah is grabbing oh, like, sure, foreign even, stars. Even, even, even like Jack Morris, who was a guy that like was right. nobody that they like, you know, just like started giving like time and pushes to and like dude like i don't fucking fuck i don't fucking know man when when you're down to like hikaleo and and, and el fantasmo like yeah it's just like what is happening here like what is going on and again the the pandemic is really a big part of what happened but at some point it's also what the fuck have you guys been doing well i think it's the pandemic and it's also aew I mean, yes, yes, because sure. you need to look at like, it's not just the pandemic. It's not just AEW, but it's like their partners, their foreign partners. So the pandemic kind of killed art like RevPro. So you think RevPro should be where they're getting like European talent. But like I said, like Brooks um, and uh, and Parker were not RevPro people. Right. So it's like they're not getting them because they're not coming through RevPro. And then the pandemic kind of killed RevPro to where they have not really developed anybody that you would think that they would want to bring in. And then their U S partners being ROH that falls apart in the pandemic and then gets purchased by Tony turns into like, yeah, like the AEW problem, the same AEW problem, which is that they don't have a close relationship with them. They've got impact, but it, it seems odd because you think that they would use their impact connection to bring some of those guys over. Why is Josh Alexander not coming over to Japan? Right. That does not feel like that's a, a crazy question. That's a guy who should, who they should be bringing over for sure. I know he's Impact's champion, but Impact tapes very infrequently. They don't have a ton of dates. And that's a guy that they should be getting time on. Chris Bay and uh, Ace Austin, you know, they're like doing like they're the bullet club in Impact. Why are those guys never coming over, you know, as frequently as they should for Japanese tours? Those feel like guys who should be, they should be getting invested in them and using them. They're both, you know, relatively small, but... You know, they're not using what partners they have. And is that because they're continuing to try to deal with the politics of AEW and they don't want to look like they're giving major favoritism to impact as their partners. So basically they just have no feeder system to get foreign talent into the company um, to, to fill these roles. And then, and then, as you said, we talked about this years ago, this is the problem with having that amazing roster that, had all those G1s that got, you know, a thousand stars and everyone went crazy for is that you had these amazing rosters that were having these great matches and now they're starting to age and you're not cycling because you feel like, well, we've got this really tight group of guys. They all work really well together. And now you're ending up with Tanahashi and Okada in the main event, you know, having their 16th match with each other. Naito's looking like he's falling apart. The only way to make him look like he's not is having him wrestle someone like Muda. You know, like you're you're ending up with these guys who are they're getting older. They're getting older and you haven't really refreshed the pool because you've got this legendary roster of the great guys. You're not bringing in great foreign talent to like fill in the gaps there. And 
again, this is not doom and gloom. This is not the company is going to die. This is not like everything, but like it does not feel like they have a ton there and they've made a lot of key mistakes that I think are major. One of the most glaring ones is evil to a lesser extent. They really fucked up that the house of torture thing in general. And then show as you're talking about who should be the next guy show should be a guy who's getting there right no, now. No, you're, you're and 100%. He, you're 100%, you're 100% right. Yeah. You're 100% right. Is that like, even if this is like, maybe not at the top of the list for thing for like, for like things that went wrong, like you like the, Bringing up Rapungi 3K, like, should have given you somebody. Like, not like they, they should have given you something. And like, I didn't ideally like shows better. So like, if you just would have like, like just did better with show, then is everything fixed? No, no, of course not. But like, if you just like push show differently, then we have like two like two plus years of show being not be like not being in this like weird insane like cringe worthy like one of the worst acts the company's ever come up with things then like maybe maybe you have a guy that could at least be like 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 it like a defense and like fucking like uh i don't know like sakura genesis or some shit like but the fact is, like you, like he got messed up so bad, and you went with evil, and that and that whole thing just like went to shit so badly that you know, like, like they they never pulled the trigger on Sonata, like, and like you can say that they maybe yeah. they maybe maybe they shouldn't have, but I would argue like you know what, the maybe like maybe even never pulling the trigger on Sonata with like anything like giving him the IC title like. Anything and I get and I get the titles like the titles got put together and everything I, I get it but like the fact that Sonata never got anything despite how over he was like it just it just seems like they had things in front of them that they didn't really like even try and now Sonata is just where he is and if you're telling me back in 2019 uh, that yeah this guy where they're like literally like dying. And waiting in bated breath for every move this guy does as he's try as he's trying to as he's trying to put away Kazuchika Okada that that guy four years later would never have accomplished anything in the company despite like you no know, other than being in a G one final I would think that's wild yeah so and, that's a it's a major waste yeah yeah and again like we don't like this isn't this pro sonata the pro sonata podcast. <laughs> You know what I mean? This is like no, yeah. Far, this this is this is far from that, and we're still like, hey, like, how was a guy that over, and you just didn't do anything with him? Like, as much as that, as much as the Sonata and the Bucci G one final, the G one final wasn't like great. That doesn't take away from like how loved a lot of his other matches were. Even if we didn't love them, there are people that loved a lot of that stuff, that loved the Okada series, that loved the Tanahashi stuff, that like really love all the stuff that guy did. So I don't think it's entirely that's like that G1 final. I feel like they saw that and then just didn't go with him. And I get it. You have a Bushi. You want to make the you want to make the best out of the time you got with the Bushi. Yeah. You're trying to build trying to build up Osprey. Shingo got hot. And it's like, okay, who do I trust more? Shingo Takagi or, or Sonata? I get picking Shingo. Like there's things in which like the logic process isn't exactly wrong. But 
it just feels like as time goes on, Ibushi was already up there in age. Shingo was up there. And we already knew that there were possibilities of like Will and Jay White leaving. And Sonata was just there. And instead of actually doing anything with Sonata and taking him to try, and trying to take him to the next level, he just kind of waited there. And I feel like that's another thing where, you know what? Hindsight's twenty twenty. I understand that. And I get it. You're going to push Ubushi and Shingo and Will Ospreay and Jay White over Sonata any day. Any reasonable, any reasonable person would because they're better wrestlers. But long term, it just feels like maybe that was something that also backfired. Yeah, it does. I mean, it definitely feels like something backfired. I also think, like, as you're talking about that, it did cross my mind that, like, the the whole report that they're going to, like, move more quickly with, with pushing people, right, and making guys quicker and basically looking at the model that Stardom does and saying, why is it taking so long? And then going with Zach winning the world television title that felt like it was meant to be part of that whole thing. And it's going to be the young guy title that I almost am concerned because then you turn around and look at what they're doing with Red Narita here um, in the, the winning the never open weight, you know, six man tag team titles that like the, because that was supposedly coming from corporate saying, you know, push guys faster that the bookers are like doing, you know, trying to play smart, and giving these like fake token things to the young, to a young star quickly to be like, Oh, look, we're pushing him fast. And it's actually going to end up being a negative. It's going to be one of those like poison pill things, because now what you've done is you've devalued Ren Narita. Ren Narita was hot, felt like he was building to something. He's got momentum. He doesn't win the singles title, but then you say, Oh, we'll give him the trios title, but those trios titles don't mean anything and have been booked like shit for so long that it actually devalues him and makes him look like he's a lower, you know, caliber guy. Oh, he's just a trios champion level guy. And like, you're trying to pull one over on the fucking corporate and you're, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face basically, which is just like so fucking asinine and stupid. And that's the, I think that's a part of this that then becomes like a, now another issue. You already talked about the way that they were tripping over their own dicks before but now that they're trying to fucking outsmart the corporate who's telling them, honestly, good advice, which is push some fucking young guys quick and quit, stop fucking around. Um, and instead, they're trying to, like, sneakily not do that, but make it look like they kind of are. And they're just going to end up fucking up their young guys. Yeah, uh, like I said, like, they're clearly trying. They're, like, aligning, like, some guys with the different with the different stables. You see, like... Kosei, you know, Kosei Fujita is uh, in, TM, in TMDK and stuff like that. So they're like trying to like, they're trying with, um, I feel like with some, with some of these like subtle uh, or not so subtle yeah. alignments with new units and stuff like that, trying to like get, kind of get these guys some credibility. But yeah, man, well, I, I'm hoping it's good faith, but yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it's concerning, man. I feel like now, like, after you after like after all this time, I feel like it's, this is really, really getting to a concerning point. Uh going back to Jay though. With yeah, Jay that's the whole point, right? Yeah, with Jay, as much as I understand leaving New Japan from a like from a few different perspectives, I understand leaving the company. 
I also don't really see a world where WWE appreciates Jay all that much. Um, I think Jay is great. If you heard me talk over the years, you've heard me passionately defend Jay as a wrestler, and I think that he is one of the most talented wrestlers in the world. I think that he is the best heel in the world. Like, I love Jay White, and I love watching Jay White wrestle. I love White. I love Jay White's promos. I love. I love the guy. I think he's great. Um, I think while on paper he feels like a WWE guy, I just don't think he is. And it's not to say that he won't like have a have a level of success or that he won't get pushed there. It just feels like. I don't, I don't know, man. And maybe, maybe this will just have like, we'll just have to like have to see how it goes. But I'm not totally convinced that Jay's going to go over there and that his, that he stands out enough as a heel to really like make a difference. You know, I felt like, I felt like the thing about him in New Japan, whether people liked it or not, is that he was, you know, again, there's people, there are people doing chicken shit heel stick up, uh, stick up and down the car. But like, how good he was with it, his specific brand of being a heel, the way he played it up in the ring, everything like that made it unique. Like being able to like seamlessly blend this heel stuff with the New Japan main event style, which I felt like Jay figured out. Sometimes hit or miss, but I feel like Jay at his best figured it out and hit home runs. I don't really see. What makes him stand out if he goes to WWE? Do I think he's a better wrestler than a lot of the roster? Sure, yeah. But I don't know what's going to make him stand out when if you're going to bring in Jay White as a heel, he's been a career heel since his excur- like since he's come back from excursion. If the plan is Jay White's going to come back in as a heel, I mean, I don't really just, I, I really don't see what makes him stand out long term. He comes, he come, he comes in, maybe fuse for the maybe fuse for the title with Cody Rhodes or something. I don't know, right? Like maybe like maybe that's where that goes. And then afterwards, I don't really know. Like, is he just gonna like is Jay White coming in gonna allow Seth Rollins to go back babyface finally? Is he gonna is he just gonna just gonna take Seth Rollins' place as the do-it-all heel on the on uh, on, on shows? I don't really know what's going to happen there. And I, I, I don't know. To me, as much as I like Jay and as much as I understand the move, I, it concerns me because I'm just not sure he is going like, is, is gonna, to like, be enough to stand out there. You're muted. I did the opposite. I like muted instead of unmuting. Um, perfect. Um, I uh, I don't get the move other than the money. You know, like people. That's the only thing that I get it. And then maybe wanting to be in America for some reason. I, th- um, I, mean, I mean, I think again, not to do the whole doom and gloom thing, but I can understand from Jay's perspective if you're like, man, this company's fucked. Sure. Not that, not that WWE isn't. But despite how fucked WWE WWE may be at their worst, that's still probably that's still probably more stable than New Japan. 
And yeah, yeah, I could see it. And like that to me, and, and 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 again, like don't discount how this isn't like this isn't like the Jay leaving stuff isn't new. This is happening a few years ago when Jay wound up staying. But like, don't discount right. how upset Jay was with stuff during the pandemic. Like that was a very very vocal and real thing that wasn't just being played up to stir to start to stir up interest or whatever. That was a real thing. Right, which people turned into like, oh, he d- he keeps doing this or whatever, you know. He keeps saying he's gonna leave, and but it's all a work, and it continues to always be a work. And I just think a lot of people don't realize how much of that was legit, um, the entire time, you know, that it was always like he was actually mad and and wanting to go, um. But yeah, that said, um, I mean, it's interesting because just a couple weeks ago. On the podcast, I was asking you, do you think that Jay can still be that baby face that we all thought he naturally should have been um, because he hasn't done it in so long and we never really got to see it like in a legit way. It was just as a young lion. Um, and now I do kind of think like, I don't know. I I hear people say like, oh, WWE doesn't have any heels. They need heels or whatever. And, and this is a guy to fit in there. But do, do they have baby faces either? I mean, I don't know what they have. I really don't know what WWE's roster looks like. To me, I watch uh, the little bit that I've seen recently because of the Sami Zayn stuff, like we've talked about on here, and a little bit of NXT that I've been kind of watching, and it feels like they've got one of the most over baby faces in the world in Sami Zayn, and they've got Roman as this giant heel, and then I guess that's about it. I just... I think a babyface Jay White is not necessarily a bad thing for them. Um, I think as a heel, I mean, yeah, you know, Jay White in the mid card teaming with Madcap Moss as a heel is perfect. I think that they're they'll be great together. It'll be a lot of fun. I like both guys a lot. I think that they're both good workers, you know, good wrestlers. Um, so that's just that's honestly what he feels like. I hate to say that, but I think heel Jay White in WWE is just like another Madcap Moss. You just get like a version of the dirty dog, a better version of the dirty dogs, like Ziggler and and Bobby Roode kind of team, you know, like that's what we're looking at with Jay, unfortunately. Like, I think you're right. I don't think that as a heel, he's someone that they get behind, but as a baby face, can he pass Cody? I think in my head, yes. But as a promo, I don't know. Cause we haven't seen baby, you know, promoing baby face Jay White. And, and obviously we have, we're going to have to see like how, like how, how toned down or how like, much of the Jay White act changes if he if he can't, if he came in, if he came in as a heel in WWE. Obviously, he can't do the exact same things he was doing in in, in, New, in New Japan. So, like, not that it all it all relied on being like crass and cursing and doing a whole, and doing and doing all that stuff. But like, he would have to turn it down, t- tone it down a little bit. Well, he can't work to the audience. Yeah, WWE, you don't work, you don't play to the audience, and that's most of his heat. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. What does he what does he do? So, yeah, I don't I don't know. I think that the WWE move is weird. I think the only way that the WWE move makes sense is for the money. Right. It's for the money and it's for if you want to he really wants to be in America more, which I think is true. Um, that said, I can't imagine. I mean, I guess I get why Tony doesn't, you know, 
back up the Brinks truck and give him that much money because he's not at that level. He truly has not been proven to be that level of draw in the United States. It's shown even in the time that he spent in new, in new Japan strong that like in the United States, he's just not the same kind of draw that he is in Japan. He doesn't really like move the needle the same way. So it didn't necessarily make sense for Tony to want to, you know, to, to give him, as much as he probably wants or thinks he deserves any of that stuff. So I guess those reasons do make it make sense, but it is that like, I don't know. Do we end up in the same place that we're at with AJ Styles? You know, that's honestly the high watermark is if Jay can end up somewhere like AJ, we probably end up with Jay looking something more like Finn Balor. Who's like, I think had a couple good runs, but has never truly been, treated like a top guy in WWE outside of NXT. And uh, yeah, I, I I honestly think that's that's kind of like where he ends up. And those are both like honestly pretty positive. I think when I really look at it, I, I already said, I think we end up with like a Madcap Moss level guy. Madcap Moss, he's a little low, but like, again, like I just, you know, AJ is a wonderful kind of case. You know, like AJ is, AJ is a really, 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 really one of a kind case here, and yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, honestly, it really is kind of disheartening because I really like Jay and I really like the way that he did things in New Japan. And more often than not, you know, like did the interference mess up some matches? Yeah, but like for the most part, I always really liked Jay and the way that he was able to wrestle. And like, will his style have to change all that much? No, I feel like he can. Definitely adapt his style really well. I think that there's definitely a version of Jay that exists that like is really good in like 12, 15, in, in 12 to 15 minute TV matches. Like as a wrestler, I don't I, as a as a wrestler, but in between the ropes, I don't really see any issues for Jay. I think that he adapts just fine. It's just you know, like it's yeah, I don't I don't I don't know, man. Like all of it kind of sucks. It makes me sad, like. Him leaving and then really like where that leaves the roster in New in New in New Japan as we're just kind of like okay, show the Yamino, let's see what you got and then oh you're not ready yet actually like <laughs> oh like we kind of been banking on this this whole time and you're actually really not there yet which you know again give it some time right like just wait give it to the end of the year. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Like, let's get, let's have, let's let him get a G one under his belt. Something, right? But like, still, ah, oh, man, you're not quite ready yet. And we just have to like keep looking and waiting. And Will Osprey is probably going to be leaving at some point, right? Like, it's just it's not it's not the best situation. And I don't know for a company that really like was a lot of like my favorite memories and matches of the last. uh decade plus in wrestling it kind of sucks it kind of sucks to see them in this position again and, and companies undergo this right like companies reshape and have transformations and stuff like this all the time but watching it in real time kind of sucks like people you know people probably have this feeling of they're watching new japan in the 90s and then watching how everything changed in the 2000s and everything but like watching this transformation undergone in real time kind of sucks yeah, I mean, it th- things ebb and flow and you know, they uh 
company. This is why you don't like just completely start like, you know, or don't completely like stand for a company and you're just a, like a, a fan of wrestling, you know, um, because, yeah, companies come and go and they get better and worse. I guess according to a lot of people, you know, AAA is back and, and better than ever. Um, So, you know, that's why you just like kind of kind of uh, kind of watch and then appreciate how they're going. And you don't uh, don't like have this need to support New Japan through everything forever as if like they're not, you know, just a wrestling company. And unfortunately, they're not good. That's like the weird thing. You see the people who like cape for it and they try to like figure out a way to to uh, to pretend like this shit is not what what it is, which is like it, I'm not saying it's terrible. There's plenty of stuff to like. And I'm not saying that they didn't fill this building and the crowd was fucking hot and they liked what they liked. And it was kind of interesting because I hear like Meltzer talking about it like this. This crowd wanted authentic New Japan and and there is like an interesting bit where like uh, before Jay White's match, as much as we've talked about him, he did have a wrestling match Um, that like the crowd booed when they said there's going to be no bullet club um, interference because they want bullet club interference. Cause that's like classic new Japan as far as their, these fans are concerned. And like, there is like a whole world out there of people that are into this stuff. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's tough, but <laughs> we do need to, uh, I guess, talk about the show if you're ready to to get into it. I mean, yeah, let's talk, let's talk about it. I know that we're gonna have uh, stuff to talk about, but like, um, maybe not a ton. I guess my 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 big takeaway on the show as a whole is like, man, some matches went pretty long. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Um, so. I liked the card. I had a fun time watching the card. I don't regret watching this. Uh, but Kenta and Fred Rosser and Tom and Homicide, you know, went pretty long. You know, <laughs> like even even like even like Zach and Clark Connors, like didn't need, didn't need to go fourteen minutes. Yes. Um, like, yeah, man. Like, so. A bunch of solid matches on here, like nothing on here that I would like quite call bad or that I didn't or that I didn't enjoy. Um, this you know, long show when some of these matches didn't need to be that long. I so the matches that you called out, I definitely see where you're coming from. I think that if the show overall had been cut down, there like something like I think that Tom and Homicide, um. I thought that the match deserved the time that it got, but on a long show, it feels too long, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, so yeah, like I think that there's a lot of stuff that I would cut before I would have cut that match, if I'm perfectly honest. But I can still even say that watching it, like it does feel like it didn't necessarily need to go as long as it did. But it should have been one of the long it it this should have been an outlier because there's a ton of stuff that should have been but but even then, like the, the tag team match was probably a bit too short, you know, like if we're being perfectly honest, um, I didn't watch the pre-show. This is one of the rare times where I just didn't even didn't even realize it was a thing. Um, I, didn't, yeah, I, I did not know that there was I did not know I did not know there was a pre-show. Yeah. Coglin and Kratos in their continuing, you know, best of 1000 um, and then Finley and Fish, which I don't know if I could possibly care about that. Um I mean, I guess I could try, but, you know, it would take a lot 
I would probably like it more if it was uh, Brogan instead of Dave, but you know, it is what it is. When um, did when did when did they turn David heel? I think that he turned heel like, was like recently, right? On Jay. No, I think like the heel turn was not even he wasn't even a heel in this match yet. Really? Um he's been kind of leaning like tweenerish to like kind of dirty but not necessarily fully heel. Um yeah, I think that he f- went full heel at, after when he attacked Jay White, really. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um that said, opening match fun Trio was it trios was it a atomico yeah atomico um kind of a weird mix of you know new japan and and like i mentioned you got josh alexander um in there i guess it's mostly all like new japan la dojo guys volador jr josh alexander um masquerita dorada um you're playing off of the the volador and rocky romero stuff Mascara Mascara Dorada. Yeah, when I say Mascarita. You did say Mascarita. Uh, yeah, it's a natural for me. Um Kevin Knight, right? Like yeah. yeah. That's a guy. That's a guy that they should be looking at. I don't know how tall he is, but he doesn't look he never looks small in a junior heavyweight context. So really I'd be looking at him at a guy that you could be moving up into heavyweight, probably. Um Maybe he's not particularly tall, but to me, he does not look, he doesn't look like a small guy, you know? Um, so yeah, he's a guy that I would definitely be looking at doing something with, um, because he's insanely impressive, um, really, really talented, hits his big spots at the perfect times. Um, you know, just a guy who I think, yeah, like someone who they should be, they should be actually doing something with. Um, so yeah. Josh Alexander and Kushida are great together. I didn't realize how much of a background they have with each other, but they actually know each other from way back from like border city wrestling and stuff and training together with Scott Demore, um, which makes sense with why Kushida is kind of semi-regular and impact more than it would have made sense. Cause he's got that connection to Scott Demore and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, but like I said, fine, there's some stuff here. I don't know. Have you paid attention to any of the, stuff going on in AAA with Volador and Rocky or even just the idea that AAA is back any of that me CMLL oh yes I'm sorry CMLL why am I god damn I am yeah AAA no. is never back I apologize uh no CMLL was having a pretty good run um last year too um so like this is just I guess kind of kind of kind of continue but no I haven't seen any, any of the Rocky and Volador stuff okay uh what did you think of the the opening match here no, it was solid. It was like this is my first time seeing Dorada in a while. Um, yeah, and it was and it was and it was really cool seeing him. Uh, weird that D, that DKC got like the big like cleaning house moments, but uh, I guess he's someone that's like they they've been trying to like develop or whatever. So I understand that. But no, this was like this was fun. I agree with you on Kevin Knight though. That like he's he's a guy that um uh he's a guy he's a guy that I would uh. That I, that I would uh, put some put some effort behind. Yeah, definitely, definitely someone uh, who could uh, who they could do something with. Kenta Fred Rosser, you mentioned it, probably a little bit too long, but I really liked this. Uh, it was like two grown folks fighting it out. You know, this was not uh, this was like a, a a tough man fight, basically grown like old dudes, you know, 
beating the fuck out of each other kind of vibe. It was burly. I enjoyed it for that. Um, I get people being kind of bummed out that Kenta is this now, but I still appreciate it. Cause like I said, he feels, he feels kind of like a grown up version of the old Kenta. <laughs> like, I mean, I know that's a dumb thing to say cause that's just the truth, but it's like, I don't necessarily see him as like one of these guys who's like a shell of their former self trying to do their old, their own thing. And just, it looks sad. It comes, he still comes across tough. He still comes across like an ass kicker um, just in a different way. So I appreciate it. Fred Rosser, incredibly talented, been a real delight, like in the strong, in new Japan strong and in this strong title run. Uh, But yeah, Quentin, I I mean, I agree with you too long, but Quentin, what did you think otherwise? Uh, I mean, I've never I've never really been super high on Fred Ross or doing this whole thing. Like I appreciated uh the work he was doing, but like that matches never really just did a ton for me. Um I felt like you know, Kenta's 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 been a very, very solid mid card heel since he's since he's come to New Japan. And this is serviceable for that. Like this is like Rosser's a good, like a good, solid babyface. Kenta's a good, solid heel. So this is good. Like this is like a very solid wrestling match. It just so happens that this went 16 minutes when I was on a long show. This also shouldn't be going 16 minutes. Um, but I got I got really no complaints with the match. Uh, Kenta getting the title, I guess, is a solid move. Although you've been like building up roster for so long as this as like the guy on the brand that maybe ideally you would be using that to uh, give another guy a rub, but. Who would that guy be? I guess I don't. I don't know. But uh, yeah, yeah. But like strong is kind of strong is also kind of a mess. So whatever. Like let Kenta do it. Kenta had, loves being in, loves being in the U.S. So whatever. Right. It's it's weird. It doesn't quite make sense. But you know what else makes sense? You could just they could just keep the title on roster forever and do nothing with it. Because yeah, who else is gonna win the title? <laughs> in Kingston? I don't know. Does it matter? Um, New Japan Strong open weight tag team titles. I talked about it a little bit. You know, it goes quick. But what did you think? What did you think, Quentin? I thought, I thought uh, West Coast Wrecking Crew looks looks solid here in this spot. They look like they belonged. Uh, the guns are still as solid as ever. You know, not obviously not quite the same. I'm not expecting 2005, 2006 machine guns. Uh, when I'm when I'm when I'm when I'm watching these guys, but. No, they were like this was still very solid. I would I would have liked to seen have seen this match. Would have what it would have looked like if they had, if they got maybe like four or five more minutes. But you know, maybe that'll be like something that we get on strong and we'll get like a better version of this match at some point. Yeah. I you know, I just I kind of echo the stuff that I said before. I agree with what you said there, but yeah, it just felt like West Coast Wrecking Crew probably should have just won the titles here. Um, but also who knows what you're doing with strong. And does any of that stuff make sense? And and I really do think that, like, at this point, why not? Why would West Coast Wrecking Crew not just be, like, your, you know, Bad Apple Gaijin tag team to come in and win the titles and, and just be the major heels, you know, running the division? Like, it doesn't really... They don't res- necessarily feel out of place doing something like that, um, other than the fact that I said that. It's weird, because they do just come across as natural baby faces to me, even though they're kind of like I said big monster tag team it's it's you know it is what it is um 
the match that <laughs> kind of the 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 catalyst of so much conversation and then it's actually a match jay white and eddie kingston um i thought this absolutely fucking rocked i think yeah like long sure but i don't know maybe it deserved it maybe i don't know that it necessarily needed to go this long like um but i that's not to say that i didn't fucking love it but yeah like you're saying like it's a feeling like kind of a long show there's a tons of stuff here um and you could have gotten the same story a little bit quicker but either way i mean it was just so straight up it was a really good farewell to jay because there's been so much bullshit with jay's run in new japan but it felt like he came out here to to prove something to take his licks and to stand toe to toe with you know the last gunslinger you know uh what is i'm trying to think of all the like eddie kingstonisms and the stuff that he calls himself right like uh god's favorite son and things like that uh but uh the last of a dying breed you know the uh the the kind of guy that uh that you don't expect Jay to stand toe to toe and take a fucking ass whooping from and, and to trade with just back and forth. And, and you even get something like, like, uh, like Kingston rolling to the floor off of the blade runner, which feels like that kind of acceptance that, that, yeah, like (laughs) Jay is not just a pretty boy on his bike heel running away from a fight he actually took it to kingston to the point where kingston had to had to do had to run away had to back foot had to pedal away because jay was actually taking it to him legit and i just thought such a, a cathartic and perfect way to do it it really is why kingston is one of the greatest i mean this motherfucker like i saw someone talking about like ott replacing moxley with kingston and that oh ott deserves better and I'm like, better than Kingston? I don't know if that exists. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? They deserve better. Like, yeah, Moxley's a big star, and I love Moxley. I think he's great. Had him as wrestler of the year last year. Probably could have him as wrestler, or had him as wrestler of the year the year before. Probably could have him as wrestler of the year again, right? But I that doesn't make me actually truly believe that that he's better than Kingston. I just think Kingston doesn't necessarily get as many opportunities and doesn't do as much and this and that, all that. Right. But like, this is it. This is why this motherfucker is one of the greatest of all time. Like this match. And this is a wrestling ass match. People like to be like, Oh, you got, you love Kingston because of his promos. You know, you love Kingston because of like the emotion and the way the talk. No, this is just like a wrestling wrestling. match. But the the people, the the people say that. People kind of do. People say like, oh, you know, he's a piece of shit. He looks like trash. You can't buy into him as an athlete. This and that. And I'm just it's like, nah, man. <laughs> like This is like, that's like really odd when like, yeah, you watch his matches and he's just like really good at things pro wrestlers are good at. Like, he's an all-time great seller. Like, he's not like super over the top with it. Everything he does looks legit. Like looks like it hurts. He, like he does. He doesn't do things that'd be like out of place for him to do. Like I just don't really understand. Like no, nah, he he's just a really good wrestler. Like it'd be like if somebody was saying that you only, that you only like Mick Foley because of his promos, and it's like, right? Well, no. If we just like watch his matches, he's actually really good at just wrestling. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, no, but people do people do say that. Can't buy into him. Can't, you know, he doesn't look like an athlete. Blah blah blah. It's like I'm sorry. Watch his match, and you, it doesn't matter. You believe him. You believe him instantly. He feels like a fucking fighter, and he feels like not only does he go toe to toe with someone like Jay White, but he he pushes Jay White to to the absolute limit, and Jay White really feels like he's got to prove himself to Kingston. But yeah, this I thought this was a, a great going away match for Jay. Like, you know, when they were saying the Hikaleo, and I thought it was really convoluted and weird when they're like, oh, he's wrestling Hikaleo, loser leaves Japan match, right? And I was just like, this is fucking confusing and pointless. But it is like, yeah, like, do you want Jay White's last match in New Japan to be that, that match that he had with Hikaleo, which was like, it was what it was, but it's not this. No, if I'm going to say like Jay White's last match in New Japan, I want it to be this. This is great. But J Quentin, feel free to talk about the match. Yeah, man. I mean, I feel like this is just like the ultimate Jay pairing, right? It's like, I mean, I, like my favorite Jay opponent this whole time he's been in New Japan was Ishii, right? So like he, Eddie captures a lot of those same qualities where Eddie's biggest strength is the, is the selling. You may talk about like how like, hard hitting he is and this and that, but like really Eddie's ultimate strength is a selling and not only selling like someone else's offense, but selling how dangerous he is and how much more of a badass he is. And the main thing I've always talked about is how much I love when Jay thinks he's in control and he's so tough and he's so strong. And then someone who hits harder than him comes, comes around and Jay goes fucking flying. And despite how like big and muscular Jay is, he just has this glass jaw and he just goes fucking flying whenever someone tough hits him. And I love it. And this is like the perfect version of that. This is like a really good condensed version of those Jay White and Ishii matches. And you can argue that maybe even on this show, because of how long some stuff went, that this might have went a little too long. I don't think so. I think it's felt about right. But I feel like this is like kind of like a condensed version of the Jay Ishii matches. And like for that, like. I love it because Jay and Ishii was my favorite Jay pairing. And I feel like Eddie captures a lot of that same energy. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really great comp and that makes perfect sense in the context. And, and uh, yeah, I, I had not even really thought about it until you said it, but yeah, like that's, that's perfect. Get the post-match. Dave Finley comes out and uh, takes out, uh, takes out Jay with the Shawakaluli and uh, leaves him down. Doesn't even let Jay cut, any kind of final promo, which is kind of perfect um, for Jay because he never has to, he never has to break kayfabe, you know, like you can see it in Jay's face and in his eyes. It's even, it's almost even better because it really creates that, that, uh, that longing for it that you could see Jay was ready to, to really finally break that character and go back to being that, you know, white meat baby face that everyone loved and, and talk about, you know, all the great things. And he didn't have to do any of it. He gets cut off and we just go trans translate the heat to 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 um to Finley here. But it does feel it feels like a major downgrade. And in the history of them doing this, because the, they've done the same angle over and over again with the, you know, the bullet club leader leaving. Um and this just feels like such a major downgrade, not just because it's Jay White to David Finley, but because it's not even it's not even really transitioning the leader. And this was the most glaring of it, but it was 
the one that I was going to save to mention this, which is that people were giving a lot of credit to this commentary team. Um, and they are a good commentary team in some ways, but there was a lot of things that were really annoying me on the show. And the biggest one was that this was one of those, like they really are going over the top and like really just hitting the nail too hard on the head because I think it was Renwald, but it might've been Riccoboni, which I hate to even say, cause I love, I like Riccoboni a lot, but saying like matter is never destroyed. It just transitions as we see the Jay white, you know, matter and entity transition into David Finley. And it's just, it feels too, it's the subtlety hammer that people love to talk about with WWE where you can't just let me see what happened. You have to like, really make sure that I understand, Oh, David Finley, he's taking Jay's spot. You know, he's, he's actually transitioning the evil matter, the dark entity from Jay into him. It's like, you might as well just say he's trying to get his heat. You know, Jay's heat should go to him. Now, all of you guys pretend like uh, you hate this guy as much as you hated Jay white. Now, like that's, they're just saying it. And it's just like, God damn. Like I, I, I hate that. The other part of the another one that I hated was like with, with the the ladder ma- with the ladder, which is actually in the next match, so I could just save it for then. But like, just people love it and love to like nerd out. The you know the wrestling dorks love to like be like, oh, I love when the commentary explains why all these weird weapons are under the ring, and I'm just like, I shouldn't do a voice. I, I you know so many bad podcast hosts love to do like the voice when they're imitating a person or whatever. Um, but like. I think it's just, it doesn't need to be done. <laughs> you can show me. Like the table thing, I always think it's kind of weird when the commentary goes like, oh yeah, we keep tables under the ring in case the table breaks. No, I think the best way that you explain that to me is like the wrestlers break the commentary table and then later in the show you cut to the commentary table and it's replaced with a folding table from under the ring. And then I go, oh, that's why they keep tables under the ring. Because sometimes they need them to replace like a table that gets broken, right? Oh shit, that makes sense. Why is there a ladder under the ring? Oh, you know, I understood why there was always a ladder at PWG, you know, because they had to go up and take the light fixtures down. Okay, so I get that. I get why they have a ladder. Because sometimes they have to do stuff to the arena when they're putting the ring together. Okay, that makes sense. I don't need the commentary to explain to me. Oh, well, they keep a ladder under the ring in case they need to do this. And that. And like, I'm sorry, I'm like not, I'm not like dying to have this shit explained to me by commentary. But so many people, so many of like the wrestling dorks, like that's the new, like, that's the new thing. Like, oh, the you know, when the commentary explains it, then it makes it make sense. The shit already made sense. Like you were trying too hard to make it not make sense. You're like trying, you're like picking out plot holes intentionally. Just like chill out and watch the show. Sorry, I went on a bit of a diatribe there. But uh, Quentin, what did you think of the post-match promo? No, I get, I get, I get, I definitely get what you're saying there because even if the promo itself is not bad and like, I, I enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed, uh, like I enjoyed like seeing like the J stuff in Japan and I enjoy seeing like the J like little farewell here. Um, I, I, I for sure agree that, uh, that Matt's, uh, kind of heavy handedness with what we were seeing takes like, took like takes away from it when it's like, okay, like, like we're watching it. Like we get it. We, we know, we all know the J white and David Finley history. Like we were, like, we're all aware. We're all aware that David Finley is, you know, I guess like ruining this guy's moment, like and everything. Like we're like we're all aware of this. You know, you don't have to like do that. So, like I enjoy the segment and everything, but I for sure agree like with your criticisms of it and like doing this WWE kind of heavy handedness of the topic. 
yeah definitely uh that was yeah i again i don't i don't hate this commentary team i think that they're pretty they're actually pretty solid together it feels a little bit too impact for me it feels a little bit too much like this is straight up this is the impact commentary team but whatever i like rickabani um next match tom lawler versus homicide uh filthy rules match which is like a, a a hybrid of a you know hardcore match a death match and a uh and a blood sport kind of shoot fight thing um quentin what did you think um i wanted to like this but this doesn't really do much for me honestly i guess it's like honestly like the match and the, the match where it's not like the worst or whatever um i mean i was like yeah i feel like it's probably like a little, a little better than uh Kenta and Fred Rosser, but yeah, it just this just didn't do a lot for me. Um, I know it's just like like based off like the feud and the story and this and like everything there. Like I understood the time it got, but the time, but by the time I'm we're getting to it on the show, like like halfway through it, I'm just like over this. And uh, you know, like I enjoy Tom. I like still getting to see Homicide, but this match is like didn't really do a ton for me. This is an unfortunate situation because this would have been a great main event on a New Japan Strong show. And that's what it was meant to be based on the build and the setup. This was a New Japan feud that's been building for a while. And they were working to the blow off here. But this is not a New Japan show or this is not a New Japan Strong show anymore. Right. This is this weird thing where we're transitioning and new Japan strong doesn't exist anymore. So that's kind of, I can definitely see that's like a major issue here, right? Is that this was meant to be, this should have been the main event blow off to a hot feud that's been set up, you know, in new Japan strong and that's it. But instead it's like kind of in the middle of the card, upper mid card. Really. It's kind of like the, the, um, intermission main event to a show that has like the IWGP world heavyweight title and women's title as the main events. Right. So I definitely get that. That said, I really enjoyed the action. I thought the fight was great, but I mean, here's the biggest issue. Like Tom comes out and he's doing the, uh, the early UFC, like in between gloves. Do you remember those? Like you saw what he was wearing, but you remember the old UFC where guys had like kind of the gloves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're like kind of more like boxing gloves and like you can still kind of use your your hands, but it's not you don't have the same articulation and they're definitely got a lot more padding. Um, So, you know, that's a cool little detail. But here's the problem with that, Quentin, is that uh, I'm a fucking sicko freak. And I saw Tom Lawler wearing these same gloves in uh, his match just recently with Joshua Bishop. So I know what he's going for here is like a similar version of that. He's doing even with the black, you know, jeans that they're talking about. Oh, he's got the black denim for his, you know, hardcore fights on the, he did the same thing in a much better match. I'm sorry. Like I love homicide, but Joshua Bishop in 2023, Joshua Bishop is a better wrestler than homicide. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like that's a crazy thing to say. But uh, yeah, him and Joshua Bishop absolutely murdered each other on an AEW show recently where they like they tore up the ring. They tore up the the pad. They got down to the boards. Um, and I believe they even moved the boards and started uh, like slamming each other on the fucking ring frame. At one point, 
uh yeah like it looked like bishop was going to do like a, a fucking awesome bomb to uh to tom on the completely exposed ring frame that would have he would have just fallen straight into underneath the ring like in the middle of the match like it was fucking nutty there's both of them were bleeding double juice you know like there's no color here it's like you're getting double juice you're getting yeah so so unfortunately, because I recently saw Tom basically doing like a version of trying to do this match, but with a much more game fucking insane opponent, it's just like it's not at the same level. So I will say definitely enjoyed this. I thought it was really good for like finishing off this story. But if you liked this, go watch Joshua Bishop versus Tom Lawler. That match goes over a half hour. <laughs> so it's like almost twice as long um but uh but yeah i mean it's fucking crazy it's just violent it's nutty a really cool thing do you remember um relatively recently they did the take the part take apart the ring thing in uh aew where darby was cutting the the ring skirt apart and pulling back the mat did you see that no i did not okay um so darby was doing that and he had a hard time and was like a bunch of trouble and tom i remember he had talked about that and then he did that match afterwards where he was going to pull the ring apart and he did this he did a pretty smart thing which is in the middle of the match he goes to commentary and uh the the owner of the company is on commentary and he tells him like you know give me my envelope so he gets his envelope with his money and he goes and takes his money and he pays off the ring crew to take the ring apart for him so he doesn't have to struggle with doing it himself and i just thought that was such a fucking great little thing to do so anyways moving forward um all right no okay so this is another one because you talked about the length issues and i don't i won't even say like obviously it's not like too too long because it's saber and it's under 15 minutes and that's why they gave him the tv title and all this but i think the issue is the precedence that's being set with this fucking title because it's like it's a tv title with a 15 minute time limit and it feels like they're intentionally making every match push it to the limit. Um, and I don't know if I appreciate that because I think that we could do some shorter matches, but I guess he's a heel and that's kind of how you do this historically when you have one of these time limit titles. Um, but I just, to me, I'm like, if you're going to do that heel thing, then what you do is you do the heel who keeps keeping the title in, in like running out the clock um, instead of having him get the wins. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, ultimately he like, he like either you do the dominant thing where he's like beating people like well before the time limit, or like he's constantly like winning by the skin of his teeth, which he right. kind which he kinda does here. Like not right. in terms of the time, but like he like he wins he wins with a flash submission. So like I think it still works here and I still think the match is very good, but I understand. Yeah, and and again, okay, go back. To, we just go back to like a show where the matches are just going a little bit longer than they need to. Um, that said, Connors, I, I don't know what the fuck is going on with this guy. I was so bullish on Connors, and not to say that he's bad here, but does not look great. Looks like he's lost a ton of mass and lost a ton of his tan, and he just doesn't look like as presentable as he has in the past. Um, we've talked about it, but ever since he kind of went from young lion to gimmick, he's really not seemed to understand like a look that works for him or a gimmick that makes sense for him or any of it. So yeah, he's a guy who I think could use a major overhaul that said, I mean, he's really solid here. Um, 
in the match itself, but just I don't know. I don't know. He he really made sense to me as like a power junior guy, but dropping the mass and and looking pale like this, he does not have that same impressive imposing. He doesn't cut the same impressive imposing kind of figure that he did before, um, even as a junior. Um, that said, like Zach is Zach, so he's able to make him look good. The work that Zach does here is solid, but you know Zach looks, you know great as he's like beefed up and, and bulked up over the years and really kind of came up with his position but i don't know he just feels so whatever like the tmdk act i don't know what's going on with that um i don't know really any of it that said like great wrestling but just feels like he's on like a hamster wheel just kind of doing these kind of matches can do them with everyone but what does it really mean in the grand scheme of things? I guess it's just it's just filling out a card. It's basically that's what it feels like what what this match is and what Zach is doing. But I don't know. What do you think? No, there's like someone who I'm fine with just going out there and having wrestling matches is Zach Saber Jr. Like he's a guy where I'm perfectly fine with him just going out there and wrestling random people and just having a spot on the card because he's a guy that can do that. He's a guy that can be in main that can be in the main event the tag team match or just pop them randomly on the car and they'll get like something really solid, really good out of it for the, for the most part. Um, I don't, again, this, this really doesn't mean anything. And I feel like on paper, like someone like Zach lends credibility to people like Clark Connors and uh, the red, the red Naritas of the world and stuff like that. But um, yeah, like I don't, I don't feel like he's doing anything yet. Uh, and I, and I do like these matches, and I do feel like Zach is a is the perfect guy to have this belt. But going back to your Clark Connors stuff, really, me and you, me and you are both really into Clark Connors. Uh, me and you, me and you are both like really into him. And I just, he's still good. I just don't. This class just got so fucked, man. Like <laughs> everything about yeah. this, just like, yeah, just got so fucked. Like this isn't even like. Remembering like that, Carl Fredericks left New Japan in the in the in the, in the oh, midst of uh, all this. You mean you know, Billy Thorpe or whatever his name is now? Yeah. Where, where where even is he? He showed up on NXT Level Up, and he's got oh. a new name. Oh, yeah, he's okay. like Billy Thorpe, something like that. Well, yeah, but like Carl Fredericks, like who was the guy that was gonna get like the like the most push out of all of them? Like wound up wound up leaving, and like. Just everything else, just like I don't understand what's going on right now. Like, and like I like and I like Clark, and I think that he's a good wrestler, but I don't really know what this whole thing is. So, yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I, I enjoyed the match, but it still just leaves me in a place where, I'm like, wondering, like, what, what, like, what are you guys even doing right now? Yeah, yeah, I mean. You know, there's the Yoda and the Yuya truthers who think that Yoda Suji and Yuya Omora are like the real next big things and they're gonna save the day. And I really this, I, I really I really like Yuya, but like Me too. Me I don't too. know about Yoya, all that. Yoya I don't get as much, but I can kind of see where people are coming from. You know, he's got his thing, but I don't necessarily like him as much. Um but yeah, love Yuya, but this track record is not looking good. Like it's not, I don't trust it. It feels too much like people continuously doing the thing 
that they did with WWE, like with Sami Zayn. I mean, look at where we're at right now, where I said, you know, earlier, if he feels like the most over babyface in all of wrestling and they had him, you know, <laughs> I guess, spoiler alert, um, he did not win the title from Roman Reigns, like in his hometown where the crowd was absolutely going fucking ape shit for him. Like, it there is not such a thing as like, oh, these people are unfuckwithable. The company is just, they're going to figure it out. Like, New Japan has repeatedly shown us that they could fuck up guys who should be slam dunks. They continuously have been doing it lately. Um, and I guess I shouldn't just say guys because there's now a, a New Japan women's division. Um, that would be a perfect transition if it wasn't for the fact that I did want to mention that we do get a little on-the-ramp interaction between, uh, I was going to say Jet, Kevin Knight, um, looking like he's going to be the next challenger for Zach. And we said that Kevin Knight looks like a guy that they should be doing something with. Is a Kevin Knight versus Zach TV title going to be a pretty sick showcase? I think so. What do you think? Yeah, man, I feel like Zach has a, like, Zach has a really good track record with the, with the, with those type of guys, I think. I think Zach definitely has like a really good track yeah. record with those type of guys. So like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I think, I think, I think it'll be, I think it'll be very, uh, I think I, 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 Zach's formula works for like those guys who are trying, who are kind of like breaking through when you like really want to like shine them up and get them really sympathetic. Zach's formula works really well for that. So if Kevin Knight's a guy that they like have stock in, I think Zach's a perfect guy to throw in there with him for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, I already teased the uh the perfect transition to the the main event of the evening, the true main event of the evening. The 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 woman who sold out the show, even though when they announced her match, I think they only had like you know, two hundred tickets left to sell or something insanely stupid like that. Um the IWGP women's title match, Kari versus Mercedes uh Monet. Um I guess it's, we should it, say it's, Mercedes. It's money, is uh, it money? Is it money or is it money? What is it? It's Monet. It's Monet. so. It's, so it is Mercedes Monet. Yeah, Monet. But okay, it should cool. be Monet Guerrero. I guess hyphen Kimura now. Uh, but Quentin, what did you think of uh, this entrance and this entrance gear and the match? I love the match. I love. I love the. Honda, I love the Hana tribute gear. I thought that was really awesome. Um, but. Yeah, man, this I was I thought it was really I thought it was really good. Um I thought that clearly you could see stuff that Sasha was more comfortable trying now that she was out of WWE. I thought that uh her I thought that her lucha spots looked really solid, looked better than they really ever have, honestly. Not that she was doing all these same spots in WWE, but like they just looked a little bit more better and crisp. Uh in this in this match, uh, I still think that if she's gonna be doing this, she's definitely gonna like still need to adjust to the uh, style a bit more. Um, and I thought that Kyrie, I thought that Kyrie was a really good first opponent because Kyrie does have the WWE experience, so like she can like do like the longer main event style stuff, but she can also like knows how to tone, tone like tone it down uh, if if need be. So I thought that Kari was a really good first opponent, and I thought that the selling between both of them was really was really really great. Uh, it felt like a it felt like a big deal. It felt like a big it felt like a big spot, and I think it delivered in all of that. Uh, I'm just kind of I'm, I'm I'm just really curious now to see uh, 
Mercedes once we're not with someone that she may have been a little bit a little bit familiar with. Like that once we get to like uh like the Mayus and the Tams and the Azumis and whatever's of the world that I'm very curious to see like what these matches look like. Uh I think Mercedes I, I know they're too, they talked about uh I think Azumi made a challenge to Mercedes. Yeah. And uh, that I think is I think that's almost like officially the next match. Yeah, so like and I'm really, really fascinated by that. So I'm curious to see like what this neck what the next match looks like for Mercedes. But I thought she looked really good here, you know, for this being her first match in almost in almost a year and her first time outside the WWE system in over ten in over ten years. I thought that I thought that she looked really, really good here. Yeah, I thought her poise was great. I thought, like you said, the execution was better than it's ever been. I thought that I was a little bit of a skeptic when it came to what we're going to get from Sasha. And I always, I've always been a major fan and listen to me say Sasha. Um, I've always been a major fan of Mercedes and like supported her entire career. Um, even from early on, like, you know, I, I, I liked her from the very fucking beginning, as soon as I ever saw her wrestle um, and thought that there was definitely something there, but have always been, have always felt like one of these people, like I've always felt like she's one of these wrestlers that I got to pour a little bit of fucking cold water on people who go over the top um, with how great she is. And she really executed and showed it here in a lot of ways. I do think that I have a bit of a question mark on this, which is that like, it's that Brian Danielson sicko brain. And that's like a, a really cool thing that Mercedes kind of has because it's why we love Brian Danielson. But it's like, why did she decide to go train Lucha and do all this, you know, becoming better as a Lucha wrestler? Because there's not really like major women's Lucha wrestling. That is not mainstream. That is not like a big thing. So, Kari is like solid and Kari is a good wrestler and she can do that stuff. And she has some experience wrestling in Mexico, but there's not a ton of top level women's wrestlers who are, you know, fluent in Lucha. So, yeah, but yeah, but like, I think that she definitely did that for the Mayus and the Zoomies and Starlight Kids of the world in the, in the, in the, in the, right. in the, in the not, in the not supplies of the world, which like right. is interesting because like, you're, they're not, maybe the first people who comes to mind of like Mercedes dream matches, but like I've like in terms of like her getting into this like whole lucha thing and getting more fluid with that stuff and uh really putting time and effort into 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 developing that part of her game, it is Mayu's the big one, but it would be Azumi not supporting a Starlight Kid, everyone from that from from that high speed title era. Right. Yeah. So it does feel like again, it's the brian danielson it's sicko brain it's like i want to be a fucking wrestler that was it was a very funny thing because i saw you know friend of the podcast rover tweet like a a picture of of mercedes and zach next to the ring together talking and referenced how um bailey versus um sasha from like brooklyn felt like a a like a a knockoff of a Zach versus I think Roddy match from a PWG thing. And like so many of the people in the comments just completely missed like the point 
just completely missed the plot. It's surprising, right, that fucking Rovert followers and, and responders, Rovert reply guys don't fucking have enough of a brain to understand what the fuck is going on there. And the response is like, so what? People don't copy? People don't take inspiration from things? That's not, that was not the point. The point was Sasha Banks was at the top of the world and was the most talked about wrestler on the planet. And people were saying she's the wrestler of the year. And uh, she was fanboy standing for Zack Sabre Jr. And that's again, goes back to Sasha is a fucking sicko. Sasha is a wrestling creep who loves this shit and wanted to go train to do Lucha. And we talked about this when we talked about what is Sasha's wrestling future look like. And a big part of it is how committed is Sasha to wrestling? And this is where we see it. This is where we see how committed she is to this shit. Because she worked her ass off to get here because she knew that she could not do WWE level wrestling now that she's outside of WWE. And I think I heard people say after the debut felt kind of shaky that if this match did not knock it out of the park, it would be looked at as just more going in the way of this is a failure. This is not working. And she, you could tell that she felt that and she made sure that it happened because it's not just, again, the crispness of like the spots and the lucha and the being smooth and everything looking better than it's really ever looked for her when it comes to athleticism. It's also like she's filled out. I talked about Sasha being too, you know, slim to her frame being too small. And I've thought about it and I've been thinking about it lately, like when the kind of the height of the, you know, wrestlers trying to do um, bodybuilding stuff and, and cutting down their body fat to the bone and all this. And it's like, that's not wrestling, right? Like wrestling as a, a wrestler, if you think about it as a fight, you really don't want to be cut. The only reason why like MMA fighters and, and amateur wrestlers cut is just to get down to weight and then they want to get gain the weight back to actually be in shape to fight so in wrestling if you're not really trying to make a weight limit in pro wrestling right in the concept of it then you shouldn't necessarily be trying to be like the lowest body fat possible um and just the fact that she was so prone to injury because she was always so small but she looks like a lot more filled out here um and a lot more imposing cuts a more imposing figure um like this on top of becoming across more aggressive and then on top of like having the storytelling just in the match of like that one of the fuzzy one of the the fuzzy leg warmers comes off in the middle of the match and and it feels like she's going through something and then the next one comes off and then the fucking the corset comes off you know like she's really telling that story like where the 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 you know in the past you kind of do it subtly where the 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 wrist tape and the the elbow pads kind of are starting to get worn down and you can really see the wear and tear you see it on kari's face as like the lipstick smears and you know you're getting a little color around the face like it feels like you're gone through something and this is where i talk about sasha it fucking gets it she gets it she is making sure that this match feels like a fucking fight so it's not just the crispness it's not just the smoothness of the execution it's also the little detail stuff where it feels like as it progresses, she's just getting, they're going through the ringer. This is a fucking fight. And you haven't seen Sasha really do something like this. Cause WWE, they don't care about the details of like that at the end of a fucking match, it feel it looks like you've actually been through something, but at the end of this, it looks like you've been through something. Um, Just absolutely great 
first time match in wrestling. Basically, welcome back to wrestling. You know, Mercedes KV from Beyond Wrestling, the Brian Fury student um, from, you know, the old, you know, look ma, no fans days. Finally back to wrestling, to professional wrestling as, you know, uh, CM Punk put it. And uh, and yeah, it was just, I thought it was fantastic um, and sh- kind of shuts up the haters, shuts up the like, oh, the debut was bad and really like sets her on a course to something worth watching and something to say like, yeah, like moving forward, do we continue to get this level of output? I think, I think so. And I hope so as we continue like Azumi's next and then we get, you know, you're talking about Mayu. It feels like this is really set up for the big Mayu match. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that Quentin dropped out, which is not great. Oh, and we're back. Um, I feel like we're, yeah, setting up for the big Mayu match as the next big thing. What the? And, f- uh, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. hold on. Like, can you hear me? Yes. You drop, I saw you drop out for a second. Well, then it can't, yeah. Like, it actually, like, closed the window. <laughs> and then actually and then open back up the ghost i think what you know what it is the fuck that is odd it's really that they just don't want us to talk about the the worst okada versus uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, match yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not, yeah I'm, I'm not really gonna talk about it honestly like yeah. I, it I doesn't mean, I feel right yeah like okay look i'll say this i think okada's honestly had a, has honestly had a pretty good year like yes. I thought he, I think like individual performance wise, I think Okada has been actually really awesome this year. Um, and, and I'm really and I'm very excited to see like the Kaito match, which is probably gonna be like my favorite Okada performance of the year so far when I when I get around to it. So, right, right. um, I love the Okada Tanahashi series. I think it's the best in ring series of all time. I stand by that. I fully believe it. Uh, just you know. Playing the hits, which is fine. Like I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Like, that's perfect. That's perfectly fine. Like their hits are great hits. Just this won't be an Okada Tanahashi match that I ever have any desire to watch again. No, the show, the match was cut down because the show was going long. We've already talked about it plenty. That the show feels like it's going too long. Um, I don't know that I love Okada English voice. I don't know that I love the post match with Okada cutting promo in English. But whatever it is, what it is. Um. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, am I ever going to look for this again? No, it's, you know, their last time that they had a match in America was also fine. People kind of, I think, thought that that one was better than I ever thought it was. Um, it's unfortunate because, yeah, it's playing the hits and it's just going back. But this is a legendary matchup and, it you know, it's something that you can easily do and people will continue to talk about. And it's just it is crazy to think about the history of these two. And what it's really meant for not only New Japan, but for just wrestling in general, because wrestling would be a lot different if this feud and this rivalry did not take off the way that it did, is basically what I'll say. Quentin, um, any other final thoughts before, you know, I don't know what the fuck could happen next. One of those balloons that they keep shooting down overhead could come over and take over uh, or, uh, you know, anything you feel like hitting before we head out. Uh. Nah, man. I think um, I think I think I'm good. Uh, I'm just gonna catch. I'm just gonna like try to catch up on like other stuff. I'm gonna try to uh catch up on Big Japan like and watch some of these uh Takuya Nomura tag matches just because yes. just missed my missed my boy. I'm gonna watch this uh crazy <laughs> love. Create. Gonna watch this crazy lovers versus Takuya Nomura and uh 
Abe tag from a few from a like I guess a couple weeks ago that I didn't that I didn't see. So I'm gonna try What's to uh, fucking... go up. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's fucking crazy because it felt like they were building up Kento and Nomura and all that, and now what? You know, like are they gonna do Nomura and and Nagata or not Nagata? Yeah, Nagata. Like, what the fuck? That'll be weird. That'll be fun, but I don't know. Nagata is. I don't know if he can still do it. Like, I think he yeah. thinks he can. I think he thinks that he's the old man who can still fucking go and is crazy. But I don't know if he's ready for what Namora brings. Yeah, that. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that one goes. Like, yeah. I hope because uh, because Namora will kill him. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll. So, so we'll see. But I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll still watch it, honestly. Like I'll, I'll absolutely watch oh, yeah. that shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but you can follow me on Twitter at oh, QT underscore. Go so ahead, go Joseph ahead. just hit us up. Said the T the TWE show just came out. The one that had the uh, Hossman versus um, versus uh, Priest match that we both wanted to talk about and review. So yeah, we got to get caught up. We gotta talk about all this stuff, but uh, feel oh yeah, we'll, we'll yeah we'll see if we like wind up like coming back and like recording on like Sunday or something. Then like we'll see. Perfect. And I, I mean, like honestly, like we don't have anything to like. Revolution is still like a while away, so like we could just kind of like do like a whole like little catch up thing for the for the next episode whenever we wind up doing it. But we'll figure that out. Uh, you can follow me on Q. You can follow me on Twitter at QT underscore Moody, where it is me. And I am not hacked. I thought I uh, someone, someone like I had a final four at a uh, login that wasn't from me on my Twitter account yesterday. Uh, but shame, I've changed my passwords, and uh, that's all settled. So who, if whoever tried to log in is listening, like I don't understand why you'd want to do that. Like I'm, there's not there's nothing in my Twitter account. <laughs> Like you know, you're not gonna. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have a big. I don't have a big enough reach to scam people either. So if you wanted to like. Like use like use me to like scam people. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. Uh, you can follow Tim at ROH Dutch. You can follow the podcast network at WDKWPN. And you can and if you're feeling it so kind, you could donate to us on Coffee and fund my trip to Boston for the upcoming for whenever the NBA playoff starts. The Celtics are the first seed, are the number one seed, number one seed in the East. And yeah, you know, if you're nice, I could just go watch all the home games. So, if you're going to into that, uh, that's it for us. I'll be next time. Two spare lives, maybe three spare lives. The ocean is ugly and everyone's blind. Lady Sophia in the red copper room. Lady Sophia in the red copper room. Can't be acquired and it can't be felt. Have an unlimited supply of yourself Lady Sophia in the red copper room Lady Sophia in the red copper room I met a maid just down the line Who showed me everyone's outside It was a danger to mankind Ten thousand reasons floating by Why?
required and it can't be felt To have an unlimited supply of yourself Lady Sophia in the red copper room Lady Sophia in the red copper room Lady Sophia in the red copper room Lady Sophia in the red copper room